brings us into close fellowship and relationship with you by the Spirit of the living God. That Spirit who is, He is the Holy Spirit of God, the teacher, the one who knows your very heart, knows your word, was really the author of the word of God as He breathed upon men of old that they wrote down that which He inspired them to write. And so we thank you for what you've done for us, what you're doing in us, what you'll desire and, and have desired and plan to do through us. By the Spirit of God, not by our might, not by our power, but by the Holy Spirit of God. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are in this place. And God, we don't come pretending to know what every single person needs, but we know that you do. You know every situation of life. You know every person's need. You know every person's wants. You know every situation. You know why they came today for some watching. You know why they are watching. You know the struggle that they're having or you know the success that they're having. I pray that you will move on every heart. You'll move on every life. That each and every person will have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and in doing so that you'll cause the word to come alive in our life that you'll be able to build our life up to strengthen our life to create in us and to prepare for us what is before us that we truly might be the light of the world that we might be light in the midst of darkness that we might shine that those who are without you they don't know you they are without hope might be drawn to the life of God that is in us so help us to hear that heavenly calling even in our life. That where we are and the people with whom we have to do, we have an influence there to be light, to reflect and to refract the very goodness of God that you have shown towards us in your mercy and your grace towards others. And so we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit this morning. We thank you for it in Jesus mighty and matchless and majestic name we pray and everyone who agreed said amen, amen. praise the lord well say this with me say the life of god dwells in me therefore i have victory in every situation under every circumstance and in every place and my victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of god everywhere i go praise the lord you can be seated we are a victorious people. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We are a victorious people. Amen. Once again, if you came late, we want to join, uh, welcome everybody who's joining us online and uh, welcome our Meeker campus uh, joining with us today. We're glad that you are with us. For everybody here, thanks for coming out. I believe that God has some things that he wants to say to us today, uh, preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And a number of years ago, really, we said that over and over and over again. And uh, as I was preparing uh, last week, it just kept coming up in my heart over and over and over again to get down on the inside of us. God is preparing us for what he's prepared for us. For this very reason, that when we arrive at that place that he's preparing for us, we will occupy that place. It will not occupy us. Praise the Lord. How many of you have felt occupied by the year 2020? Huh? How many people it's just been overwhelming almost knowing this, knowing that? Well, see, we see we're going to come on stuff. 
2020 is not the only thing you're ever going to encounter in life that is really beyond you and beyond me and how we govern that. But God says, I want to prepare you that when you come on something that you're not sure about, that you don't know about, you know him. And so because you know him and you put your total trust in him, you can occupy whatever place you arrive at. God wants you to arrive at places in blessing. We just read that, that he wants to open up the windows of heaven. He wants to command blessing upon your life. He has, through his word, commanded blessing upon our life. So even if you arrive in an unblessed place, you arrive with the blessing of God on you. You come in blessed. It may not be a blessed place. It might not look like the place you wanted to come into. It might not look like, wow, I I should come into a blessed place. No, you're going to bring blessing into unblessed places. So we come in blessed and we go out blessed. So we always think, well, I'm going to come in a little bit blessed. I'm going to leave more blessed. No, you're going to come in really blessed and you're going to bless people around you and then you're going to leave really blessed. Right? We need to start seeing this, really, how God sees this, and not like everything should just work out in my favor. God has already favored you. You're not going somewhere to get favor. You're taking favor with you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You're taking favor with you. The favor of God already rests upon you. We know the favor of God rests upon you because salvation came not because of what you and I did. Favor came on us. The blessing, salvation came on us because of what Jesus did, not what we did. In other words, God already showed mercy and grace, favor upon us, not because we earned it, but because God blessed us. And so we have that blessing of life. And so God is preparing us so we will arrive. Everybody's living 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're living, at, you're, you're living at the speed of life. You'll arrive at tomorrow. In some way, shape, or form, you'll arrive at tomorrow. And tomorrow has in it what tomorrow will have. What are you bringing into tomorrow? Because tomorrow's already got its stuff ready. Whatever it is, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient in the day is its own trouble. Right? Whatever trouble's in tomorrow will be in tomorrow. How are you going to arrive in tomorrow's trouble? Are you going to occupy it? Are you going to fill that spot with the blessing of God? Are we going to arrive at that place and go, listen, I've, I got the favor of God on me. Where is it that I can occupy a place and be influential with the God kind of life, influential with the word of God, influential with the joy of the Lord, influential with the peace of God, whatever rests upon me, how do I arrive at this place and become influential with it rather than being influenced by what I arrive in? Come on. And that's how God's going to begin to spread the knowledge of the glory of the Lord throughout the earth is how we, the people who arise and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us, Isaiah 60 says. And so we begin to take that understanding of life with us. Not that we never have difficulty, not that we never enter into a difficult place, but we have him. And he never said everything will turn out exactly like you want it to. He said, things are going to turn out the way you never even expected. But that's where your faith comes in, is when it didn't turn out how you expected. It didn't turn out exactly how you confessed it to come out. When you arrive there and it's not what you expected, he is there to help you through unexpected times. 
And as he helps you through unexpected times, your expectation doesn't become in a specific, it has to be my way. Your expectation is that whatever I come into, wherever I arrive, my expectation, he is with me wherever I go. And he's stronger than I am. He's wiser than I am. He's more knowledgeable than I am. He's got joy and peace that of myself I don't have. So he will equip me with every spiritual blessing to walk through any situation that I arrive in. That's good news. That's incredibly good news. I'm preaching a little bit better than your amen, but I understand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we're living in, in a time and in a space that if we're not careful with it, you know, uh, we begin to be influenced more than we're influencers. And God wants us to be influencers, to be prepared with the word of God, to allow him to prepare us, right? Preparation time is never wasted time unless you waste preparation time, right? If God's trying to prepare you and you don't know what's going on, but you waste it by doing what? By just joining in with the world, by saying what the world's saying, by, by, by believing what the world believes, you'll waste that preparation time. But God's preparing you. He's putting in you something different than the world is saying. He's, he's dealing with your heart. You're listening to God. You're looking at what God's word says. You're communing with the Holy Spirit, not with everything else around you. And so you are preparing yourself for what is to come. We are preparing ourselves, And so we began last week to, to, to talk about this uh, as it was impressed in, in my heart. And really, uh, we were talking about that God is faithful to complete whatever he started in you. God's begun, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, God began a good work in you. He began a work to make your old man with its sin and its condemnation, its guilt, its shame to pass away and create a brand new heart in you, to put a brand new spirit in you, to put a hope and an expectation of the future of no longer being dominated by sin in the course of this world, but living with God. And he said, I started something, but I'm a good finisher. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 says that he's the author and the finisher. Revelation chapter 1 says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And as here in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas. You know, we, we get excited. I get excited about Christmas. I like Christmas. We like Christmas because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But understand this, we're just celebrating the beginning of something See, God had something at this Christmas when we look at it. We're not just like, whoo, Jesus, a baby in the manger. Thank God for the star, the wise men, the cattle, the manger, uh, the cattle lowing, all those things that go on. Thank God for it. But that was the beginning of something that had to be completed. And so we celebrate Christmas with Easter in mind. And we celebrate Easter with the ascension in mind, that Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of majesty on high, and he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. See, because Jesus was born into the earth as a man, and because he didn't ever quit, right in the garden that day when he bowed down and he said, man, this is a, this is a severe this is a severe thing that I'm about to bear in my own life. God, if there's any other way to do it, but not my will, your will be done. 
Because we're not finished yet. And he stayed with it. They couldn't take his life from him. They beat him. They mocked him. They spit upon him. They could not take his life. They hung him on the cross. And he still hung there and prayed for God to forgive the people. But once the price was paid and he cried out, it's finished. See, the price for uh, uh, sin was finished, but Jesus wasn't finished. God wasn't finished. He died, and God said, I'm not finished yet. And so three days later, he raised Jesus from the dead. By the power of God so that we could know sin can no longer hold us away from God, but there is life for each and every one who will believe. And he took it from there, and then Jesus ascended on high, and he said, I'm going to come again. But I'm going to sit down at the right hand of God in all authority and power, and I am the head over all things to the church, which is my body, the fullness of him who fills everything. I am here, and I give you authority to reign in life through me. We're not done yet. God's not finished with you yet. He's not finished reaching people with the gospel yet. God's not done. The work that he began in us, he is ready to complete it. And he shows it all through time. And we're not going to, don't come to Easter or Christmas and just say, woo, let's just think about Christmas. No, God had Christmas with Easter in mind. God had Christmas with you in mind, the resurrection in mind, the ascension in mind, that Jesus is living to make intercession right now because you're going to make mistakes, I'm going to make mistakes, and Jesus has just as much a hold of you as he has with God And when you say, God, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, Jesus says, listen, they're mine. I shed blood for them, so God, we forgive them. And God forgives you in a moment because Jesus isn't finished, and God's not finished with you yet. And if we're not careful, we're entering into this Christmas season, and you might come dragging yourself in to the end of 2020. I hope you're not, but if you are. Jesus said this. He said in in the book of Matthew, he said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? He said, I'll give you rest. Now listen, listen to what he says. He goes on to say this. He said, come to me. If If you're feeling wore out, if you're getting tired, you're getting weary, you're getting weary of coronavirus, you're getting weary of 2020, you're getting weary of all the, the, the politics, you're getting weary of all the stuff that's going on. He said, listen, I never ordained for you to carry this. You're not responsible to carry all this. The world's trying to throw all this on you, throw it at you day after day, and you're like, golly, I'm just getting tired of it. He says, quit just getting tired of it and come to me. Come to me. Come to me in prayer. Come to my word. And he doesn't just say, come to me and watch me just take it away and throw it away and you'll be better. See, that's where we we come and we go, here it is. Just take it away from me. He says, I'll take it, but you have to come to me. And he makes this statement. He says, learn from me. Learn from me. My burden is light and my yoke is easy. He said, listen, if you're not careful, you get yoked to the enemy. You get yoked to the devil. You get yoked to this world system. And all it will do is make things hard on you. But Jesus said, yoke to me. I know how to, one, be tempted in every point like as you are, yet without sin. I know how to navigate difficult times. I know how to go through governmental persecution. 
I know how to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. I know what it means to for people to try to put a heavy burden on you. I know what it means to bear the sin of all of the world, yet do it with joy of the future that is set before me. What's he saying? He's saying, learn from me. I know how to live life no matter what the circumstance and do it with joy. I know how to live life no matter what the circumstance and do it in peace. I know how to live no matter what the circumstance, and have wisdom for the future. He said, don't just bring the load to me and think I'm going to throw it away. I will take that load off of you, but then yoke yourself to me, and I will teach you how to live life and build a life that strengthens you for whatever you have need of when the time comes. Come on. So we run to him and go, take this away from me. He goes, I will, but it'll just come back on you if you don't stay with me and learn from me. And he, by his spirit, wants to teach us everything about life and godliness. Amen? And so as we look at these things today, I just want to encourage you, and I want to ask you this question. I just want to engage you in this question. What material... Have you been building your life with? What material have you been building your life with? Come on, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's very easy to look and see why we're struggling with some things. Have you built your life, no matter whether it was an addition? You know, I was, I was building my life on Jesus, and some things happened, and I built an addition on my life. And the addition that I built my life with is disappointment. I'm building my life with fear. Maybe you're building a life that is built on unforgiveness and anger about things that have happened. Maybe you're building your life, you know, trying to navigate sickness and disease, but what materials are you building your life with? Are you building your life with the material of what's on the news every day? Are you building your life on what maybe is the prophet saying of whatever day you're listening to? Because God gave us material to build our life with. Peter said he gave, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we access the materials to build our life and to build our life in a godly way through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, come unto me and I'll teach you I'll teach you what? I'll teach you how to build a life in God. When we build a life in God, when we build a a strong life in God, there's people out there without God, and they're passing by your life, and they're looking at your life. I'm just telling you, whether you you want to believe it or not, we're, we're, we're given to that. How many of you have ever gone past a new subdivision, a parade of homes, and and just stopped in to look and see what they're like? Anybody? Not many of you. I remember just a couple years ago, Tasha and I were driving around on the eastern slope, and we were, we were looking for my nephew's house. And while we're looking for, I mean, we're looking, you know, we're following the GPS, and, and there's this, all this new homes, you know, they got all the ribbons hanging down and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, she goes, turn here. So I don't know if she's telling me to turn to my nephew's house or whatever. I turn here, and she goes, let's look at these homes. 
So we stop and we, we take time to walk through three or four different homes and how they're built and looking at them and picking out this and picking out that and looking at this and looking at that. And why would you do that if you're not going to buy one of those homes? Because, man, I really like this sink. I wonder where they got it. Man, I like that kitchen. Boy, I like that family room. I wow, I love that master suite, right? And you look at how they're built and how they're put together, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I would certainly like to have that in my, my home. I'd like to have that. And what you don't realize is when we're living our life, and we're living it, and we've built our life and on the Word of God, we built our life and allowed God to work and to work on finishing what He started. People are passing by our life, and, and all of a sudden they stop and say, could I take a tour? And God's not finished with any of us yet, right? So they're going to look at rooms in our house and say, man, I'm never having that room in my house. <laughs> but if they come back in a year, you might have remodeled that area of your life. Come on, God's building something that he wants to put a sign on and say, open house to the church. He wants to put open house to your life that people can engage in your life and engage in my life and begin to look around and see what God has done. We're going to have to come to a point of building a life that we're like, oh, do it, God, do it. Bring somebody across my path today that will look and see, I guess I'm not supposed to be down here, uh, that will look and see what God's doing. Sorry, I didn't mean to spit on any of you. Um, <laughs> that will look and see what God is doing. Right? And especially people who know you, they'll pass by and say, listen, you used to be mean and cantankerous and angry. You used to be the most offended person that I know, and now you love people. What's going on? I renovated. God started something in me, and I let him keep doing it until it was fully renovated. The work that he started in us, he plans on finishing In uh, Philippians chapter 1, the Message Bible, this is where we started. I'm going to have to hurry with what I have for today. Glory to God. Here we go. Philippians chapter 1, the Passion Bible, it says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, you can say until the day that Jesus Christ returns again. But let me just give you this, this little thought just to think about, right? He's going to keep working in you, building your life, Put the finishing touches on it until what? Till the unveiling. God's working. Any of you ever? I mean, if you've never watched HGTV, I'm, I'm probably missing you on this one. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's, what's the Magnolia people? What's their show called? Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper. All of us are Fixer Uppers, right? But what do they do? What do they do at the very, very end of the show? They have, they have this big screen that looks like your old house. And they do an unveiling. And what is the unveiling? They pull it away and they're like, oh, 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 
city inside. Right? But right now, God's renovating you. God's renovating me. If we allow him, he's renovating us. And it's not just till Jesus returns, but he's renovating us. And he wants to bring somebody across your path that knows your old life. And he says, wait a minute. And we want to unveil and have them stand there and go, it's so beautiful what God has done. Come on, how many of you want somebody to say, look at what God's done? We don't want to look like the old person. We want him to unveil the Christ-likeness in us. See, there is this place that we read when Jesus comes back, but God's not finished until he unveils this person that now looks like Jesus because we possess and we built upon that. And so we talked about demo day. I won't go into that again. Everybody, every time you have to have a demo day. You have to put the old things behind. You have to clear out. You have to understand that you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. And so all the old guilt, all the old shame, all the old actions, we start clearing out. We clean it out. And then secondly, we have cleanup after demo day. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And now we're ready. We're ready now to lay a new foundation, a new foundation, that, and that foundation is Christ. And the foundation of our faith, the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter 2, in 19, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He said, listen, once we have demo day, once we're laying a new foundation, the, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said that foundation that was laid was Christ. Here he tells the Ephesian church that the teaching of the apostles and the prophets leading to that laid a good foundation if you believe that teaching. But the very cornerstone of that teaching is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will either be your cornerstone or he will be your stumbling block. And this cornerstone, if you don't know what that is, it's a stone that was laid in the foundation by which the whole building was measured from that cornerstone. It was from everything was measured from that. In the kingdom of God, everything is being measured from Jesus Christ. Yes, the standard is high. It's Jesus. But he said that you can't do it by yourself. Not only is the standard Jesus, but I've given you the word and I've given you the spirit and I've given you the empowerment and I've put my, my spirit in you so that you can accomplish everything to reach the standard that is measured by him. And so some say, I don't want to build my life on Jesus Christ. Well, if you're a Christian and you don't build your life on it, you'll always be stumbling over him. I mean, I know, you, I know you've known that before because you're all human beings. You profess Jesus, you're going to live for Jesus, and then you decide to go, you know, some other direction. But you just can't get away from Jesus. You're always stumbling over Jesus. He always comes up somewhere. The word of God always comes up somewhere. He'll either be your stumbling block or your cornerstone. Let me just tell you, it's better to build on Christ than to stumble over him. 
every day. It's better to build on him than to stumble over him every day. And so we begin just in these four ways of laying this foundation real quick. The first place that we begin to build our faith is our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said this, Paul really lined it out. Paul talks about demo day, and then he talks about building day. He said, I am cru- Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, I had demo day, but I'm still alive. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, my old life is gone. My new life has emerged. But my new life that is emerging and being built is built on the foundation of Jesus because Jesus was the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? And so when he says faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just believing in Jesus' existence, but beginning to believe in if Jesus existed and Jesus did what he said he did, what do I believe about that? And so Matthew, the 16th chapter, starting in the 13th verse, Jesus says this. He says uh, uh, to his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they said, some say a prophet, some say Elijah, some say even John the Baptist raised from the dead. That one always throws me off. Like Jesus was living, John the Baptist was living at the same exact time. John the Baptist was beheaded, and they thought Jesus was him raised from the dead. But Jesus was here before he got beheaded. People think weird sometimes, don't they? I know, that threw you all off. I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, just, just me wandering around. So they said, even John the Baptist raised from the dead. So there's always that question out there when we're going through life, when you're going to work, when you're, 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 you're meeting people, when God's leading you to people, who do they say that Jesus is? Some will say he doesn't exist. Some will say, well, he was a good teacher. Some will say, well, I've known him in my past. But the next question always comes to us, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Well, he's the one that's going to get me to heaven. Well, he was the son of God. But really, we have to answer that question. Jesus, or Peter pipes up and he says, listen, I got the answer to that. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He said, I'll call you, you were Simon, now I'll call you Peter. And upon this rock, upon this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of God. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said at the revelation, at your revelation, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. That's a revelation, not just that you believe that he was, but he is to you the Messiah, the Savior, the one who is there. God said, I'll give you the keys to operating in the kingdom of God. And in those keys, the authority that Jesus left with you, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. But it's in a revelation and a belief, not just that he was, but who he is and what that means to you and what it means to me. 
Because the way to overcome in life is not just to believe that he existed, but why did he exist? Why did he die on the cross? What was he doing here? And when I know what he was doing and I believe that he did it all for me, and if he did it for me, what does that mean to me? When I start to grasp that, I begin to understand that he came to destroy the working of the devil in my life. He came to redeem my life from destruction. And when I begin to believe in Jesus Christ, then I must begin to believe that if he was who he said he was, then he came to do something which is redeem me. So first of all, we, put our, we build our foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. The second thing that we do is we have faith in the blood. We have faith in the blood. It's so important to put your faith in the blood. The Bible just tells us in the Passion Translation of Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, Jesus, God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice and to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. The provision for us to be forgiven of our sin is faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Not faith in what we've done, not faith in our works, not faith in us being a good person, but faith in the blood. It says he's become our mercy seat. What is that mercy seat? When the high priest would come into the holy of holies, he could not do it without blood. He had to have blood on his thumbs, blood on his toes, blood for the sacrifice and enter in to sprinkle the blood of the atonement on the mercy seat. Why? Because in that Ark of the Covenant was the law and the judgment that came with the law, but then there was a mercy seat and the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Why? Because God's intention was always that mercy triumphs over judgment. And when you truly have faith in the blood, you are free to continue on with God. Even if there's mistakes that have been made towards you or through you, you can go to that place and with faith in the blood, meet with God right there at his place of mercy and grace. And from that place of mercy and grace, there's a foundation to build a life with God upon. No longer the past mistakes that have been made, but I've come and put my faith in the blood. And because that's all been cleansed and mercy has cleansed my sin, now there's grace to help me in my time of need. Help me what? Leave the past behind and build a brand new life in fellowship with God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Grace made it all possible, or grace made it all available. Excuse me, faith makes it possible. Jesus' blood shed for us made life with God, that abundant overflow of life, available. But faith in the blood makes it possible possible. Third, to build this foundation, you have to have faith in the Word of God. You have to have faith in the Word of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 23 says, if indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to you, every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
He said, listen, you got to have a foundation steadfast and not be moved off of the expectation that's created through the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said this, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of God unto salvation. For the Jew first and then the Greek. He said, it'll take us from faith to faith. Faith in the word of God takes you from one degree of faith to another. I believe God, and I began this journey of believing in the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem me and forgive me of sin. But that same faith is what brings healing to my body. That same faith is what brings deliverance of things that have bound me. That same faith is what makes me whole from brokenness. That same faith is what really prospers my life. Come on, he's, he's going from faith to faith. You've exercised faith in this area and seen that God is true to his word, but he'll expand to every single area of our life so that the fullness of salvation can be the foundation for your life. Saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered, all by the blood of Jesus. And it, it, it is explained in the word of God. And this word contains life, an application of life that is worth living. Faith in the word. You say, what is faith? Faith is a conviction of the truthfulness of God. In other words, true faith is to say, listen, this is God's word, and it's true every time. It's true for every circumstance. It's true for every situation. In here, there is a scripture. There is a building block. There is building material to build my life on Jesus Christ. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the storm, no matter how severe the storm, there's materials to build my life to withstand no matter what comes, no matter what tragedy, no matter what hurt, no matter what harm, no matter what sickness, no matter what disease, there is building material in here to help me withstand whatever will come. It's a conviction of the truthfulness of God's word. It's an adherence to and it's a reliance upon him and his word, right? It's a trusting in. It's a faithfulness to. So when we look and say, I have faith, we have to say, am I convinced that this is true? I have faith. Am I adhering to? Am I relying upon him, the Holy Spirit, and his word? Or am I trusting in my own strength? What material am I building on? Am I building my life on love and joy and peace? Am I building my life on the integrity of God's word? What material am I using to build? There's a few things that we're talking about here concerning our faith because when you understand really even concrete to pour a foundation, you know, if you're there, it just comes out of the truck, but it didn't start the same way it comes out of the truck. They mixed gravel with concrete, with water, and they keep mixing it thoroughly until it comes out in this substance that seems to just flow, whatever, you know, you regulate the thickness, but then it's all poured into a form. And then it sets up, and it's strong. See, we want it just to be one way, but he says, listen, start to understand, start to mix the word of God, start to mix faith in the blood with the word that Jesus has spoken, begin to start to mix this up with what? The last thing we're going to talk about is your confession, your confession. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews to hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering. Come on, church. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. But our faith so much depends on what comes out of our mouth. Because Romans chapter 10 says that faith is in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess the Lord Jesus or Jesus is Lord over everything in your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And the understanding of that in the word of God can be really summarized in the statement in Romans chapter 8 that says, if God gave Jesus to die for you, how would he not freely give you all things? In other words, if I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life and God gave him to die and be raised from the dead for me, how would God not freely give me whatever I need for life? Since he saved my life from destruction, how would he not give me everything that I now need for that life he saved me to? Right? And so the words of our mouth, circumstances come down, information comes from the news, everything's pressing, we get concerned, we get there. We have to watch the words of our mouth. And sometimes I know you think, well, pastor, you just, you just don't understand. I mean, I just really, I, I, it's weighing on me, I have to say it. Well, I'm a human being, I understand. But what we all need to understand is that feeling that I have to say these negative things is the enemy telling you, confess it. Confess what you feel. And that's easy for us to do. But when God says confess his word, we're like, that is so hard. Because the enemy is trying to bombard you with information, with feelings, with thoughts, and penetrate your heart that your heart is full of anxiety, that your heart is full of fear, that your heart is full of stress, your heart is full of what's going to happen next. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And why we want to have faith in the blood is because we want to start talking about what the blood has done for us. We want to be speaking the word of God over every situation that comes into our life. We want to say that Jesus is the Lord and the master of my life. We want to speak in accordance with that. And by speaking about the blood and by speaking about redemption and by speaking about the good things that God has and by speaking, we're mixing those things up. So when they're poured into our life, they take a setting up and a firm foundation that we can begin to build our life upon. And we're going to talk about how do you frame up your life with good things next week. But really, we begin to frame in Hebrews chapter 11, 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, God's faith spoke them into existence. If you want to see something different about your life that God has said that you're not seeing, faith is the substance of what you hope for, what you expect, but it's also the proof of what you do not see. It's time to start saying what God said and say, well, I don't see it. How can I say it? Because if you ever want to see it, you're going to have to say it. Because the faith of God calls those things that be not as though they were. 
If you're not healed in the way that you see the Bible say, you cling and say, I believe this, and you begin to speak what the Bible says. If you're not prospered, if you're not delivered, if you're not whole, you begin to say what he said and keep on saying. They didn't just throw it in that cement truck and mix it once and drive it to your house. That would have been a disaster. That thing kept spinning, kept mixing, kept mixing, kept mixing, kept kept mixing. And it was still spinning when it poured it out to pour the foundation of your house. We keep saying and we keep saying and we keep saying and we keep saying as it pours into our life and all of a sudden we find out this is absolutely a part of the foundation of my life. How did it get there? I took those elements and I began to speak them and I began to confess them and I began to say them over and over and over and over until they became what I was doing in life and they were the foundation of the very heart and aspect and actions of my life. And so Jesus really ends this thought in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He said, a person that hears my word and does it is like a smart man who builds his house on a firm foundation. He digs deep and he puts it down on the rock. When the storms of life come and the hurricane force winds come and they blow against the house, the house remains standing or the life that is built on the word of Jesus, not only hearing but doing that word is a strong life. He said, but the life that tumbles over in the storms of life is the one who hears the word but does not do it. See, faith in God takes you not just from the hearing but the doing. It takes you not just to hope and expectation, but it takes you from expectation clear to a manifestation that this is how I live my life. This is what I do. It's really a lot more simple than we know because if you read above that, Jesus said, so many of you come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do the things that we thought you thought we should be doing? He said, depart from me, you works of iniquity. He said, the one that hears my words, love one another. Judge not that you be not judged. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Serve one another. There is the laying on of the hands to the sick. There is the casting out devils. But there's the very foundational core of believing who Jesus is and allowing that life to become part of our life. The forgiveness of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God to be a part of our life. So if we're going to rebuild, we're going to renovate. We have to have demo day. We have to have cleanup day. And we have to pour the proper foundation to build on so that it remains standing no matter what what storm comes to life. Somebody say, God's not finished with me yet. yet. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will be faithful to complete it until the revealing of Jesus Christ. Stand up with me. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you that you are...